0: There's no spot on TV, so you're really down on your luck. But Martin, Pete and Mike will talk about what they like and not really give a further
1: thought to what the listeners think. Hello, welcome to the Caution Period Podcast. I'm Mike, I'm joined by Martin and Pete. Say hello, guys. Hello. 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 And uh, this is episode four. Can you believe it? Um, and this episode is uh, themed around the 2015 IndyCar race from uh, Fontana, the Auto Club Speedway, uh, which is a a race that Pete has been going on at me about for five years now because it was 2015. So you've been talking about this race for for five years, and I'd watched like half of it, but I've now watched the entire thing. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, also talking a bit about, uh, news, uh, in motorsport, uh, such as it is, a few more bits and bobs coming through. Um, and also maybe some model, model kit stuff. It's going to be a very nerdy episode. It's going so extremely nerdy, but it's, we're week four now. We've, we've gone through all the superficial mainstream stuff and now we're into the, into the deep nerdage. So get ready we for have, that. We have got a kind of a pseudo
0: game to play. It's not okay. really a game as much as it is, uh a discussion that i wanted mm-hmm. us to try and model our way through but right. i think we'll you know if we have time we can we can sneak that in
1: there i'm sure we'll have time i'm sure we'll have time because literally all i've watched this this week is is indycar to be honest I, th- I had grand plans to watch the porsche documentary still haven't done it but we've got a four-day weekend coming up um here in the uk so i'm probably going to
2: nerd out massively on on sports stuff now uh so what, should we chat a bit about this weekend coming do you know Sorry? What would have been the races this weekend coming? What would have been, like... Do you know what would have been running? What Grand Prix was it, or...? Uh, Easter weekend. I don't know. Was
1: there going to be one? Vietnam would have been... I didn't think there was going to be a Grand Prix. I think Vietnam, um... Vietnam was last weekend, wasn't it? It was going to be. Yeah. Do you know what's a really good guide? Is the BBC, the BBC sport website still has like a motorsport schedule that has not been updated. A guide nice. to everything Cle- we're missing. <laughs> Just to, you on a break Clearly the BBC has other living. things oh, to be yeah. <laughs> you're talking about. But um, yeah. Uh, so if you look for the BT- B- BBC motorsport calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still there. It's still there. So we are on what? End more of April. to see
2: what.
0: Uh, I'm
1: looking everything. We're not end April
0: It would have been between the Vietnamese and the Chinese Grand Prix. There you go.
1: Chinese Grand Prix being the first one that was cancelled way back. Oh, we've
2: when. got the. It's Bristol. Absolutely. Uh, no, that's that was last weekend, was not it? That's what we spoke about last weekend. Yeah, that was
1: last weekend. Um, so have, last this weekend would have been br- time. <laughs> well british, i mean we could british Superbikes at Silverstone, it would have been oh that's the that's an even... answer that's, oh.
0: i mean when when mike finally gets around to editing this episode and goes out it will basically be may so we could do the indie 500 that's true
1: <laughs> um well let's uh let's um let's talk about the news anyway um in terms of things to watch like if you're short of things to watch um uh i noticed uh if you listen to the first episode of the podcast If you're the one listener who's been here for all all four of these podcasts, um, they did add the Adelaide Grand Prix that we talked about on that podcast to the Formula One um, YouTube channel. So it's now freely available. They've also just announced that um, I think there's 30 days free of the F1 app now for anyone. So hard like Pete again. Yeah. They have got their money for me, so they're <laughs> happy now. I just bought um, it last month
2: as well. I'm such a tool. <laughs> last month wasn't that when it, when it <laughs> yeah. already started being cancelled? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not very bright. <laughs> but don't
0: don't play the stock market, mine. Bye bye
1: bye. No 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 no. Um. Uh also uh so yeah obviously check that out check out the the Formula 1 YouTube has been really good they last weekend they did a, a live replay of the 1996 um Monaco Grand Prix which is an absolute banger and Pete you'd already watched that hadn't Yeah I
0: know I'm like one step ahead of this me and my dad <laughs> watched it like <laughs> two weeks when ago when the coronavirus was was
1: merely a glint in a you know, bats eye. A bats eye <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's that race was awesome wasn't it such a good race it just it's like two hours long it it goes up like hits the two hour limit basically uh but it's basically action throughout i think only six cars finish it's it's a very
0: unlikely mistake from schumacher too like i don't i mean we'll we'll get into this a little bit more as we as we touch on other mid-90s races that i may have already got caught up on (laughs) but like i remember very little from watching formula one as a 10 year old well, I mean I'm sure it's different from because I think he was about thirty two. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of I don't I don't remember things like Schumacher in that ninety six race. It's like on lap one or something, just
2: just Stuffed getting it wrong. And, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it's such a bland mistake as well, right? I oh, yeah, got yeah, to see really like late. wet track and everything first lap, you don't know what's what. But still it's such a like Oh, yeah, such a mediocre mistake, such a like non glamorous It's quite like, it's quite low speed well. and he just
1: scrubs the left left wheel off,
0: left yeah. front wheels off, doesn't he? But he has done um he's done more mediocre mistakes at Monaco if you fast forward a <laughs> few for years, isn't he at to back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't mediocre, that college. was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I
2: just I think that was exceptionally <laughs> exceptionally it's just good, good manoeuvring.
1: It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the
2: like really lame steering Was like, ooh, ooh.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. it's like what i do when i'm like can i park in can I, is that a free space in the park Oh no oh is it too oh. late to oh no Oh, no, stop
1: <laughs> um well anyway that was good so that's it's kind of good that uh, f1 are giving away some of their classic races um on youtube which yeah, otherwise I'll, i'd have already paid for you've already paid yeah. for yes indeed um but yeah the app is also free for free for 30 days as well so um check that out also i noticed today uh, Formula E tweeted that they've put all of their uh, races ever on uh, on their website. So it's not on YouTube, so it's a little less convenient to watch, but if you go to the Formula E website, they have an archive now, and you can just watch live in pretty good quality all of their races that have ever existed. Um, which is kind of cool, because I think a lot of people have kind of slept on Formula E and it's recently gathered a bit of momentum because there's been some really banging races. Um, but all those old sort of races are there as well, and they also did like a live watch along for the um for that race where Heidfeld and Nico Prost collided. That was like very right the first race, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Wait, was that was the first one
0: when Heidfeld like almost sent his
1: car into space. Yeah, yeah basically yeah. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So, um so yeah, they did a watch along for that. But yeah, if you want to catch up with some Formula E, if you missed it, some really good racing in there. I've, uh, I really for like Formula E. I don't. I mean, yeah. I
0: know that it's like not. If you put them on a regular track, you realise they're only going 17 miles an hour. But yeah. I do it. it you, you do start realising that when you compare that to modern-day Formula 1, where you've got these cars that have a ton of grip and they're going so much faster than they've ever gone before, but mm. they're not moving around at all, so they might as well be going half that speed. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. But like when you see these guys struggling with you know, these these heavy, slow Formula E cars on road tyres, and they're it's a good stable of drivers too
1: yeah yeah, yeah the, quality's there, good... it, it, the quality's there and the quality's is improving every sort of uh every season as well it feels like i think a lot of you know we'll see a lot of like i think we talked about it last week but like if vettel quits formula one you've got to assume he he'd jump at a, a sort of formula e seat well i hope, hope he doesn't just formula disappear actually, into
0: I, I i feel like it is it, the, the i mean the chances are it's probably gonna just Do nothing, right? Or be a German commentator?
1: I think he loves the sport too much. I think he loves racing. Still,
0: he's just. I hope that's the
1: case. I'd I'd love to see him at Le Mans. Mm.
0: That's true. Going back to the Formula E for a second, the one thing I would say, and this is again like we this is a nerdy episode, so I feel like I'm I'm okay going there for this. But the steering racks really upset me. (laughs) I, I think if you're gonna what. The, the best race to watch is, is like I think, that one of the first races they did in New York. There was right. a really tight hairpin. I know a lot of the cars, a lot of the tracks do have at least one very, very tight hairpin. But this one mm. was exceptionally tight. And um, they, they just chose to have a lot of onboards. And if you notice, they have to turn their wheel not 90 degrees, but so far that they have to take their hands off and grab the wheel again. Oh, yeah. And once you <laughs> see it once, you're like, what? Why do they do? They know they're putting these cars around tight, twisty, sweet <laughs> circuits. Isn't that
2: just track specific? Though, won't they just change the rack, certain so depending on on what track it is? In the same way, you get different racks for like Monaco because you need a different rack for the hairpin. And so they well, maybe they do, but it.
1: clearly their, their their rack is not good enough. Like, well, though, firstly that
0: that should be the case, but they clearly don't have a rack that's quick enough. And also, I it's basically a. a even the newest body kit one is based on a Delara IndyCar chassis, right? And I think everything par- bar the powertrain is a spec part. So I think they just, they've just got run the what they've got. I don't think they can, I don't think they can change, I don't think they can change the rack. I, I Probably honestly not. don't think they can. Um, um, my,
1: my favorite uh, um, of those was at Macau. Um, is it uh, the Melco hairpin? Is that what it's called? The, the hairpin at, Macau, that's just like ridiculous.
2: Do you remember I don't know what when? You mean, um, Mike, I have no idea what called yet. I think it's Melco.
1: Do you remember when um, Sebastian Loeb was in the World Touring Car race and he was doing like in practice? I think he was doing like handbrake turns around it to see if that was quicker. <laughs> it's really really funny because it's so so. I mean, there's, it's a it's a permanent yellow flag zone during. The, Is it still all, the a yellow race. flag zone oh, Yeah, no. yeah. No. You are not allowed to overtake in there because it's guaranteed to end up with just like a pile up, basically. Not that Macau isn't already guaranteed to end up with a pile-up. Do you remember when Lawrence Vantour Tour uh, finished the race upside down on his roof
2: as yes, well? Yes, that's, that's my, Macau's is my amazing.
1: Um, but yeah, the, I think it's Melko. Hair, hairpin that uh, Loeb was in the Citroen World Touring Car car and he was like yanking the handbrake to get it to, to sort of slide around. Which is Why pretty, pretty entertaining. does a World Touring Car have a handbrake, is my question. Don't
0: ask me. <laughs> I don't think what what they're thinking was <laughs> is it, is it still got on it come on like, i guess, just, I guess yeah. you do need it i guess you do need it on the grid right yeah mm.
2: And if they're parking it on a on a slope you know true put it in <laughs> yeah. first yeah. when That's they're doing point. their shopping turn yeah. the wheels to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: pete let's get let's get super nerdy um and talk about well all right let's talk about models but before that let's talk about um video games because i've been playing uh, automobilista 2 a little bit uh, which has just come out on early access uh, it's a brand new sort of racing sim which is weird because it's designed by a brazilian design team so you imagine like the old toki games which had like Thruxton and Knock Hill and you know all those kind of British tracks it's like the Brazilian equivalent of that it's got a bunch of Brazilian circuits I've never heard of and Brazilian stock cars is the is the main series in this in this sim but it feels really nice to drive like it feels I don't I I was thinking this and then I I, I sort of saw a, a YouTube video that kind of corroborated it but um it, you just look like really busy behind the wheel in that sim in a way that you're just not in a load of other stuff. It's really you're constantly like adjusting and hustling and kind of um like slight oversteer that you're catching and things like that and it just feels really involved. Like I don't know whether that's necessarily more or less realistic, but you definitely feel like you're like busy and and kind of engaged and sort of adrenalized by it. Maybe so, they use a the Formula E steering rack. <laughs> yeah, maybe they do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's you's it's a project car's two engine, isn't it they're using in it? So that's yeah. why, um that's what cuz I was I, that's what made me stop jumping into it, not that I've got anything against Project Cars Two or anything, but um this game was like renowned for its handling model, and so i thought and so I thought it's renowned for its handling model, but it's using the project cars two engine so but it doesn't
1: it doesn't feel anything like project cars two uh, at all like it was it's like a totally different it looks a lot like project cars two that,
2: that's a, that side cars of 2 looks it looks gorgeous so
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's great, it's got all the lighting it's got all like stuff. I would say the car models are probably a slight step below kind of yeah. Project Cars 2, uh, but the environments, the sort of uh, lighting and stuff all looks great, but it just handles completely differently. Like I was going in ready for, you know, ready for a kind of Project Cars 2 feel, and it just feels totally different.
2: I have to try it. I definitely have to try it. But also because those cars are so alien to me as well. I just, I try
1: it hard yeah, to relate weird. to these
2: kind of crazy stuff all will be crazy tracks and crazy things I've never, never driven.
1: Yeah, I think they're adding some stuff. Like it's only in early access, so it's got only got like a limited lineup of the cars that'll eventually be in it, but they're adding like licensed McLaren F1 cars. They're adding uh BMW M1 Pro cars, which will be a really good laugh in that with that handling model. Um and uh there's the, the stuff i gravitated towards in the in the early access um, version which is only 25 quid at the moment um i don't know if the, i don't know when that's going to change probably before i get round to editing this podcast but at the moment it's like super affordable uh, and the stuff i gravitated towards was the ultimate gtr which is like a british track day car um so i was razzing that around donington uh, and that was really really good fun it felt really intense going into the craner curves that feeling of like momentum and stuff um was was really pronounced um and uh, also, the what is basically like a 1986 Formula One car, but it can't be called that, um, is a really good laugh to drive around Adelaide because it's so bumpy and the car's so powerful. Uh, it's just really, really entertaining. So that's what I was amusing myself with. Um, but I the good news, Adelaide pic- for
2: like I'm driven Adelaide in a, in a racing game for years.
1: It's like it's a great street circuit. It's, got, it's mainly 90 degree corners, but then it's got a couple of really fast ones and a couple of sequences where you're like diving you know that corner in bahrain where you're like trying to carry as much speed in through the left-hander as possible and then kind of get on the brakes perfectly in a straight line the um there's like a bit there's a section of adelaide like that but it's concrete walls right next to you um so yeah it's, it's well worth it um what's it trying who's
0: it trying to like cater towards is it suppose is it gonna have like a single player campaign
1: thing or is it gonna be a championship, get... but it's pretty bare bones. Like I think it's got it's got like a like the original had a real cult following just because of the handling. Like people loved the the way it felt. Um, and I think the the key thing is um, it just has a bunch of content that no other sim has. So you know how like most sims now have a full field of GT3 cars. They've got Spa. They've got Brands. They've got Silverstone. And blah blah blah. Some of them blah.
2: have Brands. Some of them don't have the Brands Grand Prix Circuit though. Some of them just got the Brands Indy Circuit
0: yeah I, I don't know which which game are you talking about
1: um it'll be race room won't yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, <what? laughs> again again um but my point being like if you want to drive some different cars on some different circuits from the stuff you normally get in like every single sit like that stuff's there and it, it all feels good it feels fun like it feels good enough that it doesn't matter to me that i'm driving an ultimate gtr which is a car that i don't really care about um and it reminds me. I, this is going to sign, sound like hyper hyperbolic, but um, it reminded me a lot of GTR two. Like just the the way the handling and the audio and everything kind of came together. Um, I'm sure it's better than GTR two, but it's like my memory of Nothing's what GTR two was like. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure anything's better than GTR two. But I anyway, I think
0: yeah. you're talking hyperbolics. Thought, yeah, <laughs> that's probably. I probably am. Yeah. Um, but, I, I honestly, I what I haven't obviously played it, but one thing that I I could get from some of the things that I've seen about it, and I, this is what if I'm gonna have one like drawback to iRacing versus the race rooms and the automobilists out there. Go lay it on is, me. <laughs> is this like iRacing? There's no, you don't get the feeling that you've got a squishy lump of rubber between yeah. your car and the road, right? So. Mm it still has that tendency and it's getting better with like the newer time models that come out. But um do you remember like back in the day playing the older Simbin games? Like mm. if you, you'd have these like lazy low speed spins. Like you yeah. just felt like the traction in very low speed situations wasn't really simulated right. And once mm. you lost control, it was, there was no getting it back again. Yeah. And sometimes iRacing feels a little bit too it doesn't feel compliant enough mm. when you when you compare it to like you know, when you, you take like a gt3 car around the nurberg ring for example and in in race room and it's you know you can bang it against curbs and it's you can be quite aggressive with it mm. and you can yeah you know, the car moves around but it also doesn't just move around on suspension it moves around on this like almost like semi-liquid layer of rubber that's underneath it. Yeah, the, the sort of sidewall flex and yeah. things. And, I, yeah, iRacing, you don't really have that as much. And I think it, it does make getting to that, like, extra sort of 5 to 10% of your, like, absolute pace a little bit more difficult because mm. you have to do it by trial and error. You don't really get it by yeah. seeing the, like, the yaw of the car a little bit and ga- gauging it that way. And that's why I think yeah, you, the, the gap... And this is me guessing completely, but I think it's it rewards a lot more on just sheer laps on iRacing um, and getting to that comfort level of being in that that kind of very fine on the limit area but versus some of the other sims that may, maybe they're exacerbating what that feels like that compliance mm. layer um, yeah. to make it so it's a more kind of um, you, know, you know welcoming sim.
1: I think you, or, I think that's you've pretty much yeah. nailed what what automobile feels like the opposite extreme of that. And like I said, I yeah. don't know whether it's like realistic, but it feels great and sensible and like like when you're when you're catching stuff on oversteer, it feels like you're reacting instinctively because it's behaving as you'd expect. Um, whereas I know what you mean about that kind of low speed spin thing. The first GTR was awful for that. Like out of the first chicane at Monza, you just end up spinning the tire every, tires every single time and off you go. And they kind of fixed it a little bit for GTR2, but it was never... Yeah, flawless, and like sort of.
0: worst case example for this on iRacing is you take like a Mazda MX-5 out on track. It's always impossible to keep in a straight line. I'm sorry, I don't really think it's that difficult to drive an MX-5 in real life. No. <laughs> so, no I sure. don't want to take anything away from the people that drive them, <laughs> you know, professionally. I am sure, they're very talented drivers, but I think iRacing is, it's, makes it appear to be a, a very challenging... But, I mean, you can obviously learn to drive it and learn to get really close to that limit. But it's just, yeah, that, that. I, and I, I, I don't obviously know whether or not it's super realistic in iRacing, that's what it's really like, or if it's, yeah, whether the race rooms and the automobile Easters are yeah, more accurate. But I just feel like, yeah, it's a little bit more comfortable early on on those Sims
1: than it mm. is on iRacing. It takes a bit more time to get used to it. That's not really why you play iRacing. I don't think you've ever said it's the most realistic one. It's just that it's got the best structure and you get the best quality of racing. Like oh yeah, the, yeah. It's just you can't.
0: I, I've I've never come close to it. Like I, the, I was doing some races over the weekend, and um, it was just the the battles that you you could have across a race long enough to have a pit strategy, and like, mm. yeah, you know, actually, you know, figuring out like. Yeah, coming out of the pits and realizing oh, this is a problem. I shouldn't be three, four seconds further ahead than I was of the guy in the second. This means I've messed up my pit stop strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and having that sinking feeling where no longer are you driving the car being like, Oh, I've got to absolutely nail these apexes and try and try and secure this. Instead it's like, Oh, I've oh, made I a horrible <laughs> mistake <laughs> I mean that
1: sounds awful. I'm bad enough at the driving without having to add the strategizing. But anyway, Pete, you should, you should try Automobilista, uh, because I'd be interested to know what you think of how it feels, and I will renew my iRacing uh, account. Is that a deal, if I buy like Automobilista?
0: Yeah. yeah, that's the thing, it doesn't mean anything to me until you get your D license. Yeah,
1: I'll get my D license, I will do it. I've got time over the weekend,
0: Your but. names are painted on my car now, so I know, basically yeah.
1: <laughs> you have no choice but to take part now. But that's the deal. You pick up, you pick up a automobilista and tell tell me what you think of it, um, and I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll jump on. Uh, right, I guess we've there. got some time tomorrow to uh, to try.
0: Some... So does Automobilista have its multiplayer up now? Yeah, multiplayer's been those. added. Yeah, so we can have okay. a, we can have a crack around. Right, um, drive some mad Brazilian stock cars. I do
2: feel like now you put our names on the car as well. That's like a contract, which is binding. It's like yeah. I, I feel re- I felt really bad when I saw you done it. Like, oh yeah, actually, if, if, if Ferrari won Hamilton, it, all they need to do is just paint his name in the car. And they go, sorry, mate, look, it's written down there. Names race, of the car, you can't. better get in, mate.
0: Well, actually, there's you got to pay for your uh, iRacing subs, but you've got to pay your, your, your team
1: money as well for getting paint <laughs> So you owe me money. Um, I, I'm prepared to believe that's how Bernie ran Brabham. He just got <laughs> decided the driver he wanted on in the car and just painted the name on the side and then told them to get in. <laughs> and then he probably had a, a manila envelope like, with some like you know pictures that that's wouldn't true wanna get yeah compromising compromising <laughs> pictures um pete tell me about your nerdy model collection
0: oh, oh okay so um i guess i can't really show anything cause... no just
1: describe it <laughs> all right so it is a thing of beauty how well, much does so... it cost
0: <laughs> well actually so the it's a oh no i'm gonna get it wrong now it's the f fw14 b, b. 14B, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's one yeah. yeah williams is is my my the prize of my collection i guess the 1992 one but it's massive i think it's like a 1 118 eight? scale no 112 scale
2: whatever that okay, it looks was. like that's yeah. much bigger, it's bigger big. than 118 yeah yeah
0: but it was um it's a chunky boy yeah i think it was about 100 quid mm. um but yeah, it's got. You can take the engine cover off. You can take the little panel over the suspension off. It's got. But actually, when I was making the seat belts, it has pieces of foam that you have to wrap around with cloth um, to make the bit. You know, in the old school seat belts, yeah. had the, the, like the shoulder protectors before the has uh, their hands, hands devices yeah. and
1: stuff. Um, that sounds so, like an awful lot of work. And, and it's <laughs>
0: actually all the all the suspensions metal um and held together with screws and things like that. So it's not like you're gluing the suspension together. It's actually wow. you know, it's little nuts and bolts and screws and stuff. You must it's... have
2: a tiny little screwdriver. A little tiny mouse yeah, yeah. screwdriver. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and and um I mean I showed it to you guys with the uh the wheels because I you know that's obviously you can't take the engine cover off and keep the wheels on, that's the wrong way around. But um but they're held on with you know actual wheel nuts that you have to paint so one side's red, one side's blue so who makes Um, is it
1: is it a Tamiya yeah this is
0: I've only done Tamiya kits so far um until the you know of the cars at least but yeah I'm kind of as I was talking to you guys before like I'm trying to figure out what my next car is so I've done a a McLaren I think it was I always get the McLaren mixed up it's um I think it's an 88 um Mm. Senna McLaren do they do a TS
2: 050 in that kind of detail if, um, if well, no, so
0: he's they they, well, the, the like been I thought it was an RC car that's the that was the problem yeah they
1: did make a TSO 50 uh RC car
0: but i thought they were saying they were coming out with a model cuz i'd love to do one of them but i i think it, on the F1 side i was either going to go really old or as new as i could cuz it would be cool to do something that is yeah, you know, as sculpted as, like... And I think the newest one you could do is, like, a 2011 Red Bull or something like that. Um, So I'd have to paint it up in, obviously, Weber's paint scheme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> multi-21. But, but no, I've, I've, I, I can't really decide. It's, it's such a tough one because, like, going for the older um, Formula 1 cars with, like, the uh, really crazy exhaust manifolds and the really exposed mm. engine stuff, and you go really crazy with all of like the making everything look all greased and oily versus the really pristine lab style you know f1 of of, of today so not really sure which direction to go in but i've got some projects to finish first so i don't really know which
2: go old school i'd say go old school yeah yeah. beaten panels and everything
0: (laughs) but i'd love to do something with like um, I think it's the, the the reason why I was mentioning like not the Lotus 49 but the other one I had my eye on because the it 72. had the it had the inboard brakes on the front and right it's, it's so stupid
1: <laughs> I love it I'm brilliant but it's so so wacky does it just mean you like would it not just cook the driver's like legs inboard on the front or the rear
0: well inboard on the rear they did for quite a while because um, the main reason why you don't want to have inboard and this is uh, this is the podcast to do it on i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is gonna get well, really bad if
1: anyone's listening they're loving it <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so on on the rear you've on a rear wheel drive car you've got a drive shaft anyway that is providing torque to the rear wheel so if you put a brake on the inboard side of that then you can use that same drive shaft to slow the wheel down it's the same you know the forces are going to be around the same if anything the brake is going to be a little bit more force i'd this chat is so hot, I might have to it. take my
2: trousers off in a second.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. But the, but the good thing is is that you've got a heavy brake uh, disc and a caliper that is no longer considered unsprung weight. Unsprung
1: yeah. weight, yeah, yeah.
0: So so you can save a bunch. But the problem is, as you do it on the front, you don't have a drive shaft mm-hmm. you, you're already using. So you've got to do a caliper inboard and then a shaft that rotates and goes to the hub of the wheel. So... Yeah, you save some weight, but you also gain a big drive shaft weight that you wouldn't otherwise have. And there's the aero issues that you're going to have of trying to funnel air to cool it now that it's in a in a bit that cuz you can use a wheel like a like keep a talking, rotating keep talking fan. Keep talking no, don't <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, you know, you've got a roundy roundy <laughs> bit already to blow air through. You know, it can act like a fan and cool the brakes down a bit you know, inboard, you've got to try and get air to it where you otherwise
1: wouldn't, so... I was so, fully convinced by your technical talk until you used the term roundy, roundy bit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's you honestly had me. I thought you knew what you were talking about right <laughs> until I, <thought. laughs> when, uh,
0: I, uh, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> like, it's too too much time listening to like Nick Damon on midweek Pro- motorsport yeah, when probably. he talks about engines, it just turns into like uppy downy bits and roundy roundy bits. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's a beautiful true. way of de- describing which engine bit he's going on about. <laughs> but um, but I think it was one of the uh, Lotus drivers died at Monza, right? Because he had a failure of one of those front Up drive shafts. That was what Rockin Rint wasn't it? you're Rint, yeah, yeah, that was it, yeah. So you just you stamp on the brake in one of those drive shaft bales and you 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 know suddenly you're, not you're steering somewhere. But yeah. well, yeah. really, you, thing you still are but you go in a different direction than you were originally. Mm. Um so yeah. It's uh not the safest way of doing it I guess either, So
1: Well, keep us posted with what your next purchases. Martin, I, I did the research for you. They do a TSO 50 in a 124 which is rubbish obviously. Uh. Um but that that RC car that Tamiya do is a 110, so it's enormous. Oh, that's you massive. Could almost, is it a you could, you is could it almost
0: glow engine, in. or is it electric? I don't know. It's hybrid, no, it's surely. electric.
1: It's direct drive,
0: yeah. I want one with an actual motor in it, so it wouldn't be hybrid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's two-wheel drive, though, unfortunately, but it looks oh, astonishing.
2: I kind of wanted because the thing is i would never ever drive it anywhere. I'm not. It's not exactly the kind of thing like one of those BMWs you get in uh, TK Maxx. Where you can just do skiddly do, do, yeah, donuts on the <laughs> living room floor. Yeah. Maybe um, you could.
1: If your living room's big enough. You could enough. probably sit on it and ride it to work, mate. It's <laughs> it's the one ten, it's almost <laughs> big enough. Like it's one ten is massive. It would just look really good in your house. Like mount it to the wall or something. It would just look glorious. Not in your house, obviously, your shed.
2: I've already got I've really got I've got three TS no, I've got two TSO five O's.
0: The only problem Fair with the RC ways. cars, though, is that the proportions never quite look right, especially once you've got like, yeah, you know, the RC wheels and the tires on them, and yeah, exactly, yeah. they're not.
2: going Yeah, I, I want to kind of a little. They're not legit, and
0: also you want to have like, like it was a, it was really nice the other day when I got, I, you know, I had to fix a bit of the model because stuff because we were moving stuff around, it broke, but. Um, it's cool to be like, you know, I'm going to actually get my mini little screwdriver out and take the, the panels off and like set up it kind of like a little, you know, diorama. I'd love to do it with a Toyota, but have it set up the start finish area of Le Mans and have like the car stopped and a bunch of really sad mechanics.
2: But I want to get one which is just exactly the right size. So it looks like a little mouse could drive it and then have a little mouse and a little racing suit next to it. <laughs> so maybe I've been playing too much Animal Crossing. I got a racing helmet, by the way, the other day. I you know, I may need to get you get you one. But, um... In Animal Crossing. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I,
0: uh, need buy... oh, that'd be brilliant. Hang it on the wall
1: in my house next door to
0: my house.
2: Yeah,
1: so, well, I'm, I'm gutted that Um, talking of uh, models. I The Geneta G60 uh, Spark model is coming on the 15th of May, but it's only a 143. I was hoping for a big, fat 118 Ginetta LMP1 car to go... Uh,
2: what well, about the electric one? You can get that of and just, just... I
1: could get, I could get the skeleton one. Yeah. You know,
2: just we'd never actually go around the track. It would just, you just, it would just do like <laughs> half a lap, and then you have to just get it back in.
0: Or they wouldn't have uh, arranged their uh, electric motor deal.
2: because you've got to wait for the parts to
1: come. It's like yeah, no. <laughs> All right. So we've been mean about Janetta. We've been mean about race room. Okay. So like, and Martin's taking his trousers off. Every episode <laughs> of this podcast is doing the same, isn't it, basically? <laughs> um, so, Pete, have you brought another game for us, or a discussion at least, uh, um, this
0: week? Uh, well, I ran out of good ideas, so now I've gone into <laughs> bad ideas. Um, <laughs> That's fine. So, I, I was thinking, one, one thing I've always been interested in asking you guys was would be, because like, you always talk about, what's well, a natural thing people talk about with racing drivers these days in Formula One, especially. But, like, you know, whether or not they'd be able to compete in certain eras. And mm. you know, you know, when you watch some of the older stuff that we're doing at the moment, um, does make you start wondering like, okay, well, what would it actually be like if you put um, you know, drivers in those sorts of cars? And it kind of went one step further than that. And I was thinking, well, if you could just out of sheer curiosity or because of excitement or whatever, like what would be like our ideal set of like cars drivers and maybe even like track types you know it, to me like i don't i wouldn't pick nowadays i think mean, it's Oof. natural right because nostalgia kind of kicks in or whatever yeah. but you know i don't think the cars move around very much they don't you know the cars the when you see on boards the drivers aren't you know really holding on for dear life i mean yeah you know, there's a lot of like you know I know this this is up for debate, obviously, because there, there was always a bit of car saving that was going on. But yeah, you know, drivers go out and they fuel save and they tire save for a bunch. But yeah, yeah, you know, I I've always wondered, like, you know, if we would, you know what what would what do we actually try to you wear know, without like looking through rose tinted glasses? What would we as a as the three of us say is the ideal like epitome of Formula One in terms of era? And mm. on top of that, like. Who who would we want to see driving those cars? Not because we just, can I do
2: combinations? Yeah, can we just do yeah. Of just doing one because I like. Yeah. I was just thinking like Vettel in the ground effect era. Um because well, oh, he yeah. he sussed sus- sus- the blown diffuser out didn't well, exactly, he, so. and just because he just and which was a driving technique which takes just sheer balls basically because that's like it's counterintuitive. Yeah, it's like so counterintuitive and it just takes disconnecting what is going on in front of you in terms of you're going at great speed and you're going into this corner at great speed and there's no way you can have this grip. And then just going, you yeah. What? yeah, do it. And then that with ground effect would be phenomenal. It'd be so incredible.
1: It, it, would that not have worked a little bit in terms of the um, the sort of 80s turbo lag kind of era as well, you know where you kind of had to be on the power way, way earlier than you thought you did because you needed to wait for the turbo to spool up before you um so either on the power early or stabbing at the throttle kind of center style to to keep the the turbine going um so that you can you can get the boost out the corner um Vettel probably is adaptable enough to 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 do that as well but then I think that's I I love turbo lag I think it's hilarious like one of the the great joys of driving that Alpina is that it's just got some of the worst turbo lag you've ever
2: experienced it's like playing a, just like playing a bad internet connection I don't know <laughs> like, yeah. no, do,
0: it's you hilarious, remember, do you remember like, when we try to outdo ourselves with who has the shittiest turbo lag was, like, <laughs> my, my Saab my 900 has the worst <laughs> turbo lag and we found a forum where
1: someone was having the same exact argument yeah and the two cars they it wasn't the two cars they cited a Saab 900 and an Alpina D3 or something like that it was like, like okay we'll put this one to it was bed. something serendipitous <laughs> like that but um, but yeah it's just it's funny like it's like if you if your car can get to uh, from zero to sixty in six seconds isn't it more hilarious that for the first two seconds you haven't even got to like thirty miles an hour and then you get the rest <laughs> in the final like four seconds that's so much better than just getting it in like a linear delivery anyway so that's my reasoning for I, I definitely the stuff i like is those really raggedy ass like early turbo f1 cars where they hadn't really worked out anti anti sort of lag um and it's just like
0: and they did have good blow-ups too like, oh yeah they absolutely
1: I mean, grenaded themselves <laughs> and that's the other thing like they would have a qualifying engine that they crank the boost up to a thousand horsepower <laughs> like, come on like how can you not love that that just that as a concept so I my I was leaning towards because honestly I
0: I would have gone down that route but honestly when I saw the, like the Adelaide eighty six race it they, the cars looked so
1: heavy and they didn't look nimble to yeah, me yeah it's like Champ it looked, Car wasn't it do you remember Champ Car like, yeah the steel brakes and the steel probably chassis
0: <laughs> they, they they would just look like they were i mean the driver's definitely they were working still much, very hard I don't,
2: what was, do you know what the what in terms of their were in terms of weight because i thought they were still much lighter than the current generation we've got
0: oh i'm sure they are because they're basically london buses at the moment but i i was going down the route of like the crazy high rev you know when they had to start saying All right, guys twenty one thousand rpms a little bit silly i think was it like what the 2008
1: I think sort it was earlier than it earlier than that? They early than back. that? Yeah, uh, so the last era of the V10s was 2005. That was the last season because that was when I went to Monza. And so I was at Monza, obviously the fastest circuit on the calendar, for the last uh, last season of the V10s before they switched to the V8s in 2006. So that's when they were kind of like really like pushing the limits. But wasn't it like 1995? 19, 19. Thousand revs they were going to.
2: Well, so there was. That's my car used to do that. It was two-stroke. But hey, you know what? I'm not impressed. <laughs> well, they put
0: in a. They put in a rev limit. Um, Maybe they did that before
1: 2005. I don't know.
0: It could, yeah, I think it was because it was. Um, yeah, the Cosworth that Williams was using broke 20,000 rpm. Jeez. This was in t- yeah, it was in 2005, and then they they put in a limit, didn't they, to 18, but. Basically, though, even beyond that, I I was watching um one of the... I can't remember which race it was. Oh, well, yeah, kind of the 07 Fuji race that we watched the other day. Yeah. Like, those cars, to me, in the dry, they looked fantastic. They've got all those aero winglets all over them. It's, I mean, aside, if you could avoid the fact that they had
1: you know, treaded tyres, which
0: was always a bit upsetting.
1: Yeah, the, anything with groove tyres is just
2: so they, lame.
0: They just looked like they were really hustling them and they i think they I, I seem to remember um like an interview with like science and norris where they were talking about what cars they would want to drive mm. and they made mention of the fact that those ones i i guess are known to be quite you know, unbelievably agile in terms of their ability to change direction yeah and um so i've always wondered like if you could take someone out of the like the semi-prost era and put them into a car like that I would just be very interested to see, you
1: know, how successful they would be. Do you know what I think the difference between the, the two eras isn't so much like raw skill and car control? Like I feel like these guys are top of their game. They they you know, anyone from the from the previous era, like Senna, would be able to drive a modern Formula One car, no problem. I think what the difference comes from the like professionalism. Do you know what I mean? And like sim time and stuff like that. It's like the, the raw talent is probably the same but it's just that the opportunities these days to approach the sport with more professionalism more training more sort of um analytics and data that's the stuff that like means that actually i think the modern drivers have a kind of edge because they you know they well, like i it, know Senna he... took it seriously and he like worked out and was was super in- into it but i just feel like the level of professionalism has like taken a step forward
0: well also i feel like but yeah in In the days and again i'm not taking anything away from any of the people that are your legends of their time or of all time basically but like you know schumacher for example ferrari had a massive budget they had their own test track they were basically running laps pretty much weekly Mm. yeah they right they didn't have simulators but they they were testing all the time and if you had the budget to do it as a driver you know it's you could just have more seat time than you knew what to yeah, do yeah you're with. right yeah and seat like time th- is, these days is the it's incredible how little time they have in the car and they're even mm-hmm. talking about going to like two-day race weekends
1: like, But don't, don't you think that's just like e- even more like incredible how like adaptable the modern drivers are and they can just show up at brand new circuit and maybe they've had like a ton of sim time and worked it all out you know ahead of time but um they're straight on the pace and, and even with very limited sort of testing they, they kind of look like they
2: know the car's inside out yeah adaptability I, won- is like the key word because that's what makes a good driver in any condition that's why I think and that's why I think a driver from uh, the 50s a fanjo or a Clark or whatever would be just as good as any of these drivers because of they were adaptable in their own way because if these guys used to adapt to like I was reading something about or just seeing something about like uh, you saw Jim Clark like driver Lotus 49 mm. and he would be like super smooth and everything um, maybe not the 49 as much, but yes, yeah, one of his F one cars, and he'd be super smooth on it. I mean, you see him in a, in a Ford, a Lotus Cortina, in a touring car race, that same like a, like a weekend after, and he'd be like, like, like off lock and everything, and just mm, completely okay. dragging it because that's how the car needs to be driven, and like a good driver just adapts because like cars they, they all do, like demand so much, so different like things from you, and so a good driver just can adapt.
1: Yeah. I remember um, I can't remember what race it was. It feels like it was like a, a Imola or something like that years ago. But um, Schumacher was like losing gears basically, and um, he kept losing these gears and and was having to drive the car s- sort of skipping past these it's gears. Spain ninety five,
2: Spain ninety five, I think it was. When was had, it? Yeah.
1: yeah. And, it, and again, like it's that that sort of adaptability that the time blew me away as a kid. I was just like, that is nuts that he's and he's not do.
0: he's not got an engineer in his ear saying oh, okay this is what you got to yeah, do." Yeah. So it's like yeah they, they yeah, he figures it out but i i mean going back to my original question though i was thinking you know after you know doing the research that i've done which is basically just having a bunch of races on in the background mm-hmm. like, um and i watched i've i rewatched um the the 94 suzuka race and then that backed in straight into the it was the penultimate race of the season, which is that one where Schumacher, you know, drove it, into Hill wins in <laughs> quotes. Um, but like, I, and again, I am taking nostalgia into into this because I those are just I I have such fond memories of watching those cars on TV. Yeah, and 100%. watching them again now, like I, it doesn't take anything away from it. They still look they're like they're on the absolute knife edge. Mm. I, I actually, and I know that it's not safe, right? But seeing, like, the exposed upper bodies and the arms... You can see the driver working doing, away, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, like, you, you don't see that as much today because they're so well protected and, and, and tucked inside the car. But, you know, they just they just seem so exposed. But as a result, you see, like, they're just doing so much in the car to, like, with all the wheel inputs. I wish there was a way around that, though,
2: because you used to get, like, there was... I think some teams did that i think in the 70s a team did it where they did a cutaway um and this is when the drivers are still exposed but they did a cutaway so you could see the driver with his pedals and wasn't
1: everything. that that wasn't the, that like the Tyrrell or something was it the Tyrrell p34 had like windows at the side
2: yeah yeah some could be something like that and then obviously then famously you could in the 93 williams you could see that there's actually something like the hedgehog driver driving underneath <laughs> yeah on the side yes um, <laughs> but i think that i think even that um that's Specific thing with the Sonic Feet was actually born of a desire from Williams to do the same window thing, and then they couldn't do it, and they thought, "Oh, f- we can't do it. We're just going to put this sponsor thing in." Mm. Um, that's a weird, random anecdote I remember from some time <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, uh, that's good. Like, wish if you could see, because the drivers are still doing a lot of work behind the wheel and everything. Like, um, We're going to we'll talk about Fontana in a bit as well. Like, because like, like the amount of work that's being done behind the wheel there is kind of mm. concealed, but you can still see there's a lot of work yeah. being done there.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think... and I, I'm, I'm still amazed that it, today we don't have as good a, like... Yeah, I mean, we started doing it in Formula E with, like, the invisor cameras and stuff. And That's so cool. They're doing. But, like, I, I just... it, I, I do just... I just love the mid-90s F1 cars for, like, yeah. everything about them. And I think it, it's all to do with Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix 2. Mm. All the liveries, like, come, come back to me and everything. Yep. You've got, like... You've got cars that look... Like so dissimilar with like Mm. the Benetton with its high nose, yeah. The high nose, yeah, in the yellow and green. The Ferrari looks like it's (laughs) undrivable, but like, I mean, you've got front wings that are basically like they're doing such crude aero, they're literally like scooping everything off the track, like it's, yeah, it's just and the cars are just skidding along the ground, like there's no ground clearance, and they just and that's even after like the proper skirted ground effect era this is just like it's, it's These cars just look to me i i just i just love it and i love that rothman's delivery on the williams too it's
1: just, yeah, yeah no and, it's they, those that era is definitely the one where like i remember like getting into formula one most sort of vividly um and i i do wonder whether like i i was kind of interested in it but i think actually like and this sounds sounds sort of terrible but i think it's just because i was a kid basically but like obviously I sort of casually watch and things like that but then obviously the thing with Senna and all of a sudden I sort of I you know I realized that these these guys were sort of f- fragile and really on the limit and it was dangerous I think I probably watched the rest of the 1994 season like religiously I guess because I'd sort of taken it for granted like yeah. earlier on and then and then I realized I think just how sort of dangerous and, and what a good job these guys were doing and so, like, from sort of 1994, that's definitely when I really got hooked up. But the Grand Prix was always on, like, just on a Sunday in the background, yeah. basically. So, like, even if I wasn't watching it in those kind of, like, uh, late 80s, sort of early 90s periods, it was still there and it was, like, omnipresent, you know?
0: I also think that, like, that there's that at some point between that era and now, um, we, like, the teams took a lot of value in things like, obviously, driver preparedness driver fitness and driver comfort i think it, certainly in those that time it didn't look like the cars were nice places to be no D- drivers too. didn't look comfortable it, i don't think they had a lot of power steering like i don't think i think the pedal pressure for the brakes was probably quite high yeah. <laughs> like, it, it just did not look like they and you can see it with the, the drivers didn't look like they look today like they i mean they've all got yeah they're all incredibly fit guys and they're very strong but i think they're kind of strong in a different way than that they all seem like there's a lot of upper body yeah, going there's on. a big, big <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: there have to be to wrestle these things around
0: and i think even more so back in the 80s era you were talking about mike like i'm sure that like there's half the time i'm sure the power steering just wouldn't work yeah <laughs> oh yeah like... definitely if you even have it like why would you even have it at that point i mean it's if you can get the driver to lift some more weights and not have to carry a power steering unit that's
1: going to fail like yeah but yeah i think but, that that sort of answer uh, to answer your question and I, I totally agree in terms of like pure nostalgia um i think the, the mid-90s is definitely the sort of era um but i think in terms of like driver challenge and like uh, just general amusement i think those like late 80s turbo cars are hilarious um and i'd happily have the, the current crop of f1 drivers like trying to tackle that and
0: I, how I, funny would it be if nico holkenberg straight to the front exactly absolutely drills one home. um
1: but what i was going to say was um like there's a lot of talk about because like formula e has become the kind of road relevant you know f1's been trying to be like road relevant and somewhat environmentally friendly and hybrid V6s and blah, blah, blah. But like Formula E's kind of stolen the march on that. And in terms of environmental friendliness uh, and in terms of uh, road relevance, given that most cars are going to be like electric or, you know, somewhat electric, um, is it time for F1 to go back to something analog and, and not like, not artificially, but like, but give people the option to do something that's a bit less focused on, like, the peak of technology or the peak of, like, road relevance and more about just, like, what what's good for the show? Does it need to be
2: a bit more analogue, you know? Yeah, they should, I think just they just, just concede the fact you're going to lose manufacturers, that's it. It's like, Formula E is going to get the manufacturers, let's go back to the privateers and let's just go back to what Formula 1 was before, like, the 80s and before like all the huge manufacturers came in and then just become this kind of, yeah, just basic focus on the spectacle and focus on the stuff you've got there, because I'm sure... Like does Ferrari need it to be road mm, relevant? Mm, probably not. Well,
1: Fra- no, no, I wouldn't have thought so. And I think Ferrari are going to sell. Ferrari going to sell Ferraris regardless. They're in motorsport. I don't even think to sell cars really. They're in motorsport for
2: sort of historical reasons, almost. You know. Yeah, and, it's, and it's just like yeah, and so that's in, in that way. Like I don't know. Who, they're going to lose all those other manufacturers at some point, so they might as well. Yeah. just... That was the yeah. other thing I mean we talked a bit about it last week obviously
1: when we when we were watching Fuji 07 but like the number of manufacturers that were involved uh you know 13 years ago now um it is but um and you look at who's there now and it's like they're gone you know everyone's gone apart from uh, Aston Martin who's coming back
0: my thought on this is that they need to take a leaf out of uh Weck's book uh when it was good and um <laughs> <laughs> and and they if they could figure out a way of saying that like yeah you start a race and you have this much fuel whether it's in the form of you know petrol diesel or battery power or a mix of there's any of it and however you want to get it done yeah do it the quickest way you can and if that's someone in their garage making a a very you know lightweight yeah you know, not very thirsty little v8 that can you know, very handily manage that from a mileage point of view and do it at a decent pace then why not have yeah. that go up against something that's all electric i, I just feel like mm-hmm. yeah th- that way if you if it's if it matches your business case in terms of how you want to market it to go down something that explores mm-hmm. alternative energy then great otherwise you know be a yeah you know, garage superstar and just knock it out in your shed. Yeah, I think that's That's what
1: I'd knock be... it out of my shed as well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I think, <laughs> I think I think I think like uh they seem to be t- I mean they always talk about budget caps and stuff, but like Jean Tob was interviewed today and he was saying these new budget caps don't go far enough, it needs to be even cheaper. Uh and like that could mean the return of the sort of garage easters, you know, the kind of like Smaller privateer teams, you know, like having a crack and going up against the big boys, I suppose, but it's...
2: I want them to, I want, I want them to rebrand Mercedes as Tyrrell and then <laughs> I mean, l- 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 lose uh... Return to the heritage. Yeah.
0: One thing that gets overlooked is, and, and it's because it's not a very sexy thing to talk about, but like the thermal efficiency of the actual motors <laughs> these hope days. I that's sexy to me. Martin's trousers are back <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like, like thermal efficiency. What? If you... I mean, no one really knows. I mean, let's be honest, no one f***ing knows what they mean by that, right? But like, if you look up the actual stats of like, uh, I think it's like, excuse me, while I Google this, um, uh, if, I think it's something in the range of fifty percent is the Mercedes F1 engine, which sounds crap, right? Mm. But like, it's like the a typical most engines are around like 30 to 35% as a, like a good amount. I mean, you think about that that's like half of the in very simple terms, like half of the energy that goes into it they're getting out as productive power. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Which is yeah, when you when you look back at like older F1 where they're just like farting exhaust out of them all <laughs> the time, like literally flames everywhere. You're like you you start realizing that like yeah, it's easy to get a lot of power. Uh, it's, it's not easy to do it and not you know blow pistons out of your yeah. exhaust. and. But so, you know, the, like just
2: thermal efficiency though. If they turned that energy they'd saved into a big flame that came out of the back of the car, how cool <laughs> would that look? It would and, look good. Yeah, it would be huge. So
0: basically, what you're saying is that if you at the end of the race, if you can then. Belch out like an enormous flamethrower flame out of the back then you get extra points for style. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Incredible. You yeah, get points point for fastest lap and a point for biggest flame. That's <laughs> how it should work. Um, the, uh, the, the Honda-powered McLarens would come back with full force. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: nothing but flames. Uh, gentlemen, we need to talk about the race that we came here to talk about, which is Fontana 2015. Oh, my God oh whoa okay so so whoa whoa so before we get into this was i right yeah you were right yeah yeah it's an amazing race it's an amazing race so for those who don't know the fontana 2015 race from auto club speedway is on the official indycar uh youtube channel and it is just like 220 mile an hour pack racing for two and a half hours, solid, pretty much. It's phenomenal. It's just, its, it's, it's like it should be illegal.
2: It's actually just outrageous. Well,
1: this is, this is a race that, uh, at the end of it, everyone involved, apart from the person who won it, was like, we sh- <laughs> probably shouldn't have run this race. It was a very, <laughs> very bad idea. I have AJ Foyt, whose car got absolutely, yeah, you
0: know, team boss of Takuma Masate, whose car got completely destroyed about two thirds of the way three. And they're like, what do you think about this pack racing? He's like, I used to love doing this when I was a driver. I know what the <laughs> uh, bus is about. you like, this guy's a legend. AJ, it's the same AJ's guy that's, hardcore, been, that's been attacked so by killer bees, by the way. AJ oh, really? is an absolute legend. Like, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that guy. But basically, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that one of the few races I've watched where I, I, it makes you flinch over yeah. and over again because you're like, <laughs> watching on boards and cars are moving around and you're
2: like, ha! Ah! <laughs> yeah. like, like, there's points um, when they're getting oppo-lock and everything whilst they're three wide <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then just bouncing between each other at 210 Pinballing miles an hour. And it's, it's complete and insanity. The- and towards the end of the
0: race, it's, not, it's no longer like three wide's the norm. It's like five. It's like four or five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, what are you doing? This is such a bad idea.
2: The most As important you question out, I had to ask, actually, I wanted to on. ask, so it's the race is sponsored by uh, this is my only note is the race is sponsored by Steak and Shake, who do a steak burger. What are they like? <laughs> What's a steak and shake
0: like? Don't know, I've never had one before, <sighs> but um, apparently, so apparently this is rather than the burger patty, it's a big lump of steak, but the only thing that's really worth noting about that is later years. Do you... Mike, you've seen this book. Graham Ray Howes driver suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You've seen that too, right, Ryan? It's
1: basically... It looks describe like it he's... for the listeners, Pete. Describe it for the <laughs> listeners. I,
0: I have to... I can't paint a word picture like that. Um, I need to have it in front of me. And then you can describe
2: it in extreme detail, please.
0: <laughs> okay, I will. Um... So basically, okay so I've got it in front of you right now it's It's basically white it's a white driver overall, but as if the guy, as if he's wearing a black chef's apron <laughs> printed on it complete with a black bow tie <laughs> also printed on it it's just i mean as far as strong looks, it's, you i mean. <laughs> It doesn't matter how good you've done in a race and you've won and you get out of the car, you can't not look like a complete idiot. (laughs) And I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's only been... There's a a world touring car driver that has a slightly better overall. Yeah, I've forgotten who
1: it was. Yeah, yeah. But it was... um, Didn't he have like a pinstripe
2: suit or something like that? Something like
0: like that. I mean, we need to do more of that. Well, there's Red Red
2: Bull Lederhosen as well. um, Oh, yeah. Which were pretty... uh, It wasn't as bad as the... the, um, and someone's done tuck with them quite a few times. I think Red Bull did tuck with Yeah, yeah. Um, talking of yeah. Looking... So but
0: going going back to the Fontana, I do think it's it it it's a really tough one because, um, I do see where the drivers are coming from because it 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 was still very fresh in everyone's mind with the Dan Weldon stuff from 2011, and yeah, yeah. that was a very similar situation. But it, it and again like you. You, you're watching it. You're obviously watching it live. You don't know if anyone's if anyone's going to make it out. Of, okay, and Briscoe's crash at the end looked it's utterly pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. Severe, yeah. Um, when
2: it digs in, it's pretty harsh. Yeah, it goes in so, like a lawn dart, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
0: it it's. I thought those drivers did exceptionally well to to well, runs, race
1: the it, way it, they did. It runs under green for like a hundred and something laps. One hundred thirty-seven laps, Yeah, and I love yeah.
2: I that's I love a good race that runs under green for that long. I so I've. Um, I, of the five hundred I went to go and see was almost got the record for like the longest on the green. And I, said, I love that. I love that. Just that ceaseless racing. So, um, and, so no, so, and, so, and the amount of three, there's still contact. <laughs> during <Jordanous. laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the lead
0: changes were like eighty lead changes across that race. Like it was some because uh, it was yeah. like towards the end of the race they showed that like it just beat the record at like seventy five yeah. or seventy eight or something like that. And it was like that was. Think, Still, like, 20 laps to go. Yeah, exactly. That, I think
2: before they they got up like, above 50 before they before the first caution. It was just absolutely mm. nuts. For the first
1: half of that race as well, the only time people are, like, nearly binning it is when they're coming into the pits. Montoya, yeah. I think Montoya has an amazing, like, overseer save coming, coming down to pit lane speed. And it's because they've been flat, basically, for the entire race. Uh, and then they realise that, actually, they do have a break in this car and that they, you know, they... Need to slow it down. i um, so poor that poor mechanic. Jesus.
2: Oh, that was like. Oh, yeah,
1: he gets folded up like a deck chair, doesn't he, basically? <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> they
2: show it in slow motion, but it's one of those moments where they realise, like, they go straight to the replay. I was like, which well, is, oh, I really wish I hadn't seen that in slow motion. Because <laughs> so then you just realise how yeah. bad that was.
0: Yeah, that, and there was so. There were a few other calamities, right? There was Ray Hall, the actual race winner, driving he, off with yeah. of his fuel hose yeah. What was tab. that
2: about? Because the guy took the fuel nozzle off and just whacked yeah. it back on. And then him, p- so tried, tried to put it back on. It's like, wheels. no, no.
0: <laughs> it's, it's muscle <laughs> Never do that. He's, used to, he's used to really topping it off, isn't he? He's just... <laughs> 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 they, got,
1: mean, they, got drive, they got a drive-through for that as well, didn't they? No,
0: no they didn't why. get a penalty. was why one of the issues was that they were like, what do you think about that? Because he yeah arguably wouldn't have won if they would have penalized him but i i really do, i going back to my point i i'm really torn about that with indycar because that race i think is you yeah, know is tremendous and it the driver skill was outrageous the cars held up when they did have crashes mm-hmm. so part of you's like maybe they should have racing like that but at the same time it's like they maybe they
1: were just lucky you don't really know and yeah, yeah. it's it might be me misremembering it but like i feel like in the sort of mid 2000s they were going like similar similar speeds on a on a fairly regular basis like in the older less safe cars it wasn't Um, the thing it's not the speeds that's the problem it's
0: it's the pack rate it's the fact that those cars they, they had they basically gave them too much downforce for that track so they had so they
1: they, so they were able to follow so close that and, and
0: there was no issue with with where you need to be on the on the track. You could drive at the bottom or you
1: could yeah. drive at the well, top. well, that's, that's or the thing about like between. in terms of grooves. There was about like four hundred different grooves that all worked. <laughs> but yeah, and if you, if you I, compare it to, but So you're yeah,
2: trying to get bored of one I and mean, then just try another one. go, like, oh, this is quicker than like <laughs> another two laps later. It's like, ah, oh, us go inside now. It's just absolutely
1: crazy. But I, I again, I'm I may be misremembering this, but like. I used to watch a lot of IndyCar back in the sort of uh, mid 2000s ish, like 2005 onwards. And like they, there was a lot of like pack racing. And I don't know whether it was just like a later thing or like even just a post 2011 Dan Weldon thing where they decided this was, stuff was unsafe. Cause it sort of feels like that's what IndyCar was for a really long time. And IndyCar is a totally different thing even from 2015 now. It's mainly sort yeah. of circuit racing. It's, you know, it feels a lot more like a sort of Formula One type thing with the odd oval thrown in. But like back when I used to watch it, it was pretty much all ovals. Champ Car took care of the regular circuits. IndyCar did Sonoma, I guess, and that was it. And the rest yeah. of it was all ovals. And so <clears throat> I feel like I saw a lot of pack racing back in the day. So that part of me was like, this is fine and good. And this is just a really good IndyCar race. But then the other part of me is like, obviously, Dan Weldon, like, um, Dan Weldon's accident really like shook me up when that happened cuz I, I was watching live when that when that occurred um and that was that was really terrifying and then what what I forgot was that um or I sort of guessed and then looked it up and was right was that although Justin Wilson wasn't in this race he died like two or three yeah. races later at yeah, Pocono was, yeah, okay, yeah. um that's yeah, a season... dark
0: period <clears throat> but I think there's like I I think what what I, I remember from the earlier periods is that the cars are, like, that IRL phase before the DW12 chassis that they were racing in the yeah. 2015. Like, I, I don't remember the pack racing as much from there. But now you mention it, one of the, re- one of the records that they beat for overtakes was another Fontana race from, like, 2001. Yeah. Which would have been that prior chassis. Mm-hmm. So maybe we, I mean, it's not like we don't have the time. Maybe we have to go back and we have to watch some of the yeah. IRL races from back in the day. But the weird I thing think the there's...
2: craziest thing is like there's only 10 people watching the f- stands. It's like it's I such know. a it's, good race. It's, it's... it's like there's about 10 people there. It's like, what yeah.
0: are you doing? It, I, I just don't, I, I don't honestly understand these days. Like, I, in terms of what I prioritize for watching on a regular basis, I'm not including WEC in this because it's, you know, the calendar is quite sporadic. Mm. But yeah. If there's an F1 race or an IndyCar race on on a weekend, I'll make sure I plan my weekend around watching that race. Yeah, definitely. Like I do, I do hold IndyCar race because a lot of it is quite LOL. <laughs> <laughs> of, like I mean, we, we yeah, the, there's a good chance you're gonna get someone doing a, a pretty klutzy move somewhere. But like, I, I, I think it's it's entertaining. I don't understand why it doesn't get. I, I think it gets more good press and, and actual. Like committed fan following overseas than it does in the US. I think probably it's, yeah. It's I don't know. I, I think maybe it's because it's it is quite international. There isn't you know, you're not going to tune in and get to see a homegrown um, outside of the New Gardens and the Rossies. Mm. You know, there's a lot of domination with people like Dixon and yeah. and Willpower and stuff like that. And I, yeah, maybe that turns people off. I don't know. But I think the quality of racing. I think the cars are they. they in some cases on road courses they've not been so great um when they were a little bit you know, they, they seemed a little chonky after they introduced the dw12 didn't they, they were be- they're better
1: now they take the the rear the rear wheel pods off them mm. and uh yeah they look a bit better but i like i like i you know i basically don't have a problem with what indy cars become like i used i really enjoyed the irl era it was unlike it was so unlike formula one and so much faster than nascar it was my favorite oval racing. Um, but I don't dislike that IndyCar has become kind of road courses and um, street circuits. And then the Indy 500 is this sort of like real sort of blue ribbon event that yeah. is that is the kind of, is the sort of not, you know, it is technically, you'd call it an oval, but it's, you know, not an oval shape. Um, and I, I don't mind that. Like, I'm quite happy for IndyCar to be that, um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's, it's everything Formula well. One isn't. Yeah, it's, it's analog. No, it's, in well, the well, way I love.
2: We yeah, no, it's, it's got it, the personalities come to the fore really well. It's, it, it's perfectly analog. It feels. It's got that kind of club racing sector as well. Um, mm. I, I, I love IndyCar. I didn't used to like it before. Um, I was kind of out of touch with it for a while um, because I, did, I just didn't really follow it that much. But have um, a talking my Dan Weldon story about. I um, called him. A <laughs> I had to hide in the bin from him once. <laughs> go on tell it <laughs> quick what? that's the story because <laughs> used, used to when i used to race karts dan weldon was like the number one of any. um i was like yeah on the, on the same circuit as him and then um yeah it's just in the pub this is a shenzhen race i think mm. uh and he was like a bit of a celebrity back then because he was like he was like him and jensen button were like the two big d- <laughs> um i mean he was playing billiards in a pub and i saw him and I was quite starstruck. And so I called him a <laughs> because that's what you do when you're like 11 years old. <laughs> and then so he chased me around the pub and said, he's going to beat me up. I'm out to hide. They've been with with my friends. But yeah, that's my Dan Welding story. <laughs> Lovely guy. Wow.
1: <laughs> Your response to being starstruck is to call him a <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I feel like most celebrities would
0: appreciate that these days rather than actually going all glassy. I was a precocious. I
2: was with my teammate as well who was just also an asshole. Yeah, really bad people. <laughs>
0: Well, um, I'm glad we decided that that race was, in fact, the best race ever. It was um, good.
2: It was I, not. I like. I was like my dad. My dad came as well, and like my dad turned up like halfway through it. My dad normally is like so down on an IndyCar, and, and then after about five minutes, like, Dad, watch this. It's like the, basically, it's like the, <laughs> imagine the Formula Ford Festival final, but for 500 miles and at 210 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just yeah. complete. It's absolute madness the amount of
0: times that they just interrupt each other on commentary just go whoa whoa." Whoa.
1: (laughs) if you're listening on um, (laughs) listening on headphones it's like it would like properly like shake you awake basically blow your ears out Um, I also love the the commentators were having a I mean quite the afternoon but I loved the bit at the end where one of them, I can't remember who it is, is just like, stay on target, Ryan. Stay low, stay <laughs> yeah. low, stay on target. I'm like, all right, Obi-Wan Kenobi, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, yeah. there's like favoritism
1: just yeah, clearly comes
0: just- up. And that, at that point too, I think one of the other guys, I think Paul Tracy, was like clearly just rooting for Gray and Rayhill. Yeah, he was like, "Come on,
1: Rahal. Uh, <laughs> I
0: got so into it. I, mean, I thought that was brilliant. The whole thing about it, they just forgot what they were supposed. Yeah, to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just started rooting for individual drivers.
1: <laughs> um, but I was, was going to say just to touch on the Justin Wilson thing. Um, I was like thinking about that during the race. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. It's such an amazing race, but obviously, like that that era, and you know, after a i guess controversial race um then at pocono obviously the accident that that sort of took justin wilson's life um and then I, i was thinking about that during the race and then like youtube i was the race finished on youtube and it rolled directly into the another race from the IndyCar um youtube channel and it was pocono 2015 and i did a sort of double take i'm like why is this on on youtube and it's the whole race and like i'm like let me just double check. I haven't like misremembered this. And I scrolled down to the comments, and it's all like "R.I.P. Justin Wilson." R. Jesus. I'm like, why is this? Why is this being shown? I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't scrub through to see if it had been taken out, but I'm assuming it wasn't. You know. Um,
0: yeah. No, I don't think it would have been. I mean, I, I, it's. I, I remember watching that race too, and it was just like it. It's not like a. It wasn't like the Dan Weldon one. The Dan Weldon one was like I would. If I can avoid ever seeing that ever again, I'd be yeah. happy. The Justin Wilson one—you it, it, just don't really see what happens. You just you see his cars pulled off on the side of the road. It's like yeah, well, so like it was, a, it
2: was, yeah, it's what happened. Like I, I, was, I, I was there when Henry Surtees um, happened. Oh man, actually, yeah, was, um, Brand, yeah, and you just like you just when you, when you see it, you saw it happen. It's like that's such a mild crash. Why is why is everything going yeah. crazy? Why is a helicopter taking off? Because basically that yeah. was like a low speed crash into a tire wall, and it's like. It's only like hours later you realise what actually happened because it's such a freak accident, basically. Yeah, I wasn't.
1: Yeah. I wasn't at the race, but I was watching the Henry Surtees thing live. That's. I mean, that's crushing. He was like 17 years old or something like that. Absolutely awful. Um, I mean, not that not that the Justin Wilson accident was any less tragic. And we, Bip. our mutual friend Simon, um, was big mates with with Justin Wilson and and still like talks about him to this day. So I think he was a a really nice guy but yeah that's why although justin wilson wasn't in that fontana race like i I definitely i i really enjoyed the race like i'm glad everyone came out of it alive and well and and no one was seriously injured um but yeah it was a bit like a just a little bit of a kind of bittersweet sort of um feel to it for me at least
0: yeah and I, i think there's going back to the the justin wilson thing for a sec too like you know since then there's actually nose cone tethers in IndyCar, and I'm surprised that they haven't
2: put that into other formulas yet. By the way, also this is all, but randomly uh, your nose tethers is cool, but what the f- was it? The Castro and Evers who like had the 200 mile car crash and tries to go back into the race 14 laps down. What the? Yeah, he f- did, dude. Just like yeah, you never know. yeah There's like, no. Like... <laughs> there's no way. There's no way your car isn't absolutely tight. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and it goes out and does laps. Not? Like yeah, that's. F- I, I could have told you that when I saw you crash your car at 200 miles an hour. It's like, what are you doing going out? To this? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's f-
1: My favourite <laughs> was when um, Joseph Newgarden and Ed Carpenter got together and Ed Carpenter's a teen o- team owner and I'm like, oh God, please let it be Ed Carpenter's yeah. fault. Please let it be Ed, Ed Carpenter's fault. And it was. Um, and they interviewed them afterwards and like Ed Carpenter's like, yeah, I just want to apologise, you know, it's my mistake, blah, 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 it really sucks to take a... And then they asked Joseph Newgarden how he feels, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's just just racing. It's like, you can't really, like, bitch at the boss, can you really? (laughs) 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 When he's driven into you. But yeah, it was fully Ed Carpenter's fault. There's a lot of like, I mean, that's the thing about the, all the downforce and the kind of pack racing stuff is that so many occasions where someone got underneath someone else and just like totally washed out and ended up drifting up to the top of the circuit. And that was like at least a couple of the incidents were caused like directly by that.
2: They well, still like,
1: the it?
0: Sato willpower
1: crash yeah, was so like... harsh because because like, they're like, oh yeah,
0: Sato lost control. And it's like, no, no. he Sato saved lost it. control. Yeah. Saved it miraculously <laughs> yeah. and then gets totally drilled by... <laughs> who was it? Dan, was it Dixon on the yeah, bottom? I think, yeah. But,
2: but it's crazy because like, you see like, oh my God, he's having the... such a moment. And it's like, oh, he saved it. What are we watching then? Oh, and it's like, bang. D- Dixon but had also,
1: so much space down at the bottom.
0: Also, notice the fact that like, when you watch that, so Sato's at a full like twenty degree angle to where he's supposed to be at two hundred and twenty miles an hour, <laughs> and he's 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 gone and just been like oh, I'll just save this, gets it back under his uh, under control, and didn't lose any ground. He cannot have lifted his foot an inch. Like, <laughs> Easy. He kept that, that, that thing absolutely pegged. And, but, but, I mean, that's Sato like though, that's so Sato. Yeah, but the thing is, I feel like they, they should have given him a lot more credit for being like, okay, it's so very unfortunate that Dixon absolutely wiped him out after that. But like, not only was he not at fault for that, but that, how he managed to keep that going and not... because if. I think most of the people there would just roll out of the of the throttle and just try and, like, not die. But, like, he was just like, uh, might as well go for it. <laughs> Went full send, like, 20, 20 degrees into a slide. I
2: did spend most of that race just screaming, basically. Just, yeah <laughs> It's, like, so high tension. It's incredible. <laughs> it so was...
0: we have to figure out what, what our next race is going to be.
1: I, so... I, I uh, want to put in a vote for some sort of, like, if we can see some sort of Long Beach race. I don't know if they've got the... Um, what about a classic
2: Formula Ford Festival final?
1: <laughs> Maybe further down the line. Well, Wouldn't it just be a... exactly the same as Fontana, Martin?
0: <laughs> we, we could do the... I mean, the if we were going to try... I, I would like to try to get more, more of the turbo-era Formula 1 watched, but the only ones that we have, in North America at least, are... It was the 81 Vegas Grand Prix. Um, is that the?
1: Is that when Al? No, not Alvarez That
0: was the one I sent you an uh, image of where one of the guy, the, I can't remember the name of the driver now, but it just tore the front of his car off and yeah. then just walks Legs, away, exactly. says so nothing had happened, <laughs> just steps like, how are, out. <laughs> how, how? How can you do that? This doesn't seem right. Um, or or the ninety one uh phoenix race which i think would
1: be oh, 90, late wouldn't it no, well 91 well, it's not turbo i don't think but no, it's not turbo, yeah, well. phoenix is a wicked race it's so so good
0: well there's the nine nineteen ninety 1990 phoenix race
1: as well but that's who i that, everyone
2: knows that race too well everyone knows, oh, 91 would be good because i know what happens in 90 but 91 I wouldn't oh, wait, be is,
1: uh, maybe i'm misremembering actually is 90 the one where it's a lacy's debut yeah yeah 90s yeah, yeah, lacy's
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, ninety's 90s Lacey um yeah 91's
1: we got could... big Jeff Crammond energy as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, because like the original Grand Prix was like uh, based on the 91 season, I think.
0: Well, unless we just don't go for a North American race and choose something else in the 80s era. When when would you say is the li- latest week you go for, for turbos?
2: Eight, what, eight, 88. 88 was when that's phased out. That was, when, uh, that was the last year when they had the um, different championships. And 89 is the first post-turbo so uh, you want 88 is the last but that's not peak turbo because they've got the different championships you want 86 which you've had already mm. 87 I don't know what a good race makes it maybe it's silver, it's well, the silver the only one a- I've got 87, is Silverstone 87 is, uh, available.
0: yeah we, we got Silverstone 87 and we got Austria I've never
2: seen Silverstone 87 all the way through and I'd love to watch Silverstone 87 alright should we do that one? Yeah, out? that'd be f- great. It doesn't really
0: work yeah. on our calendar, but we can pretend it's uh, Long doesn't, Beach. It doesn't matter, it's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, um, yeah, we'll pencil that one in for uh, for next week. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Caution Period podcast. Uh, we are available wherever podcasts are available and also on Twitter. Uh, so if you are listening, tweet us, why not? Because I don't think anyone... No, wait, one person tweeted us. Uh, Fernando Moutinho. It's not uh, me. Um, yeah. not you no um who we introduced to bristol a couple of weeks ago so um oh nice yeah uh tweet us if you uh if you get this and um, or
0: sponsor us if you're Hilltread or fan attack or tamia um, or tamia yep
2: tamia will be- <laughs> <Or> if, <laughs> so to give me a supra um yeah. all the um, supras that's fine yeah